Well, as you can see, today's the day that we um, come to the Lord's table together or take the elements together. We're going to have communion today. And uh, we're so honored that the Lord gave his life for us and that we can celebrate this ordinance together. I'm asked often, um, how often do you serve communion? Many of you come from different backgrounds and depending on what your tradition was, I know some churches have communion once every month. Some churches have communion every Sunday. There's no right or wrong way to do it. We serve it on Sunday morning on the fifth Sunday, every fifth Sunday. So that's quarterly, five, four times a year. We serve communion on Sunday morning. Now we serve it more often because many times in our nights of worship, we uh, serve communion, but for our Sunday morning service. Uh, some people may wonder why I do it as infrequently as I do in the morning service. And let me just say this, there's no right or wrong way to do it as far as the uh, number of times that you do it. Uh, if you do it every Sunday, it's fine. If you, if you partake of communion every day, it's fine. In fact, I do. Uh, the first thing I do when I get to church in the mornings, uh, when I go to my place of prayer uh, and I get finished uh, praying, I, I take communion. And uh, by the way, you can do that uh, at, at your home with your family. We are priests and kings unto God, according to Revelations. Uh, read it. The Lord has made us to be priests and kings unto him. That's not only future tense, but that's also in a spiritual sense now. So you don't have to have a clergy person to serve you communion. If you love the Lord, you can receive it. And by the way, when we have communion here this morning, you don't have to be a member of New Hope to partake. We invite you to partake. And uh, I really get some odd looks when I say this, but I often say it. You don't even have to be saved to receive communion. Now, I don't know of a better time to get saved than in receiving communion. Do you? Because you're, you're, you're putting your faith in the finished work of Jesus. Uh, his body that was broken, his blood that was shed, a great time to be saved. So I encourage uh, folks, even if they don't know the Lord or if they're backslidden, it'd be a great time to come back to the Lord to take those elements and say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I ask you into my heart. I ask you to draw me near to you. It's a great, great opportunity. So I want to, uh, let me explain why I personally do it as infrequently in service as I do is because I never want communion to become commonplace in this house. Never, never. I always want it to be special. I always want it to be, and, and I'll give you my reasons in just a moment when I get to my text and my message for today. But I always want it to be something that we take our time. We don't rush through. We don't just pass out the elements and partake of them out of habit and just uh, go our way. I want it to be something that we think about, that we talk about, that we pray about, that we meditate on, that we, we, we take time in our hearts to really understand what all of this represents. Here's a scripture. I'm going to use it for a text today. I typically read it when I come to the table right before we receive communion, but I'm going to use it for my text today. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 
verses 23 to 26. This is what Paul said when he talked to the Corinthian church about communion. For I have received from the Lord the teaching that I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took a piece of bread, gave thanks to God, broke it, and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is God's new covenant, sealed with my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in memory of me. This means that every time you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, those of you that are familiar with the Pauline epistles, you know that the book of 1 Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth mainly as a book of instruction and correction. The Corinthian church had gotten real out of order in a lot of things. They, they, they were just, they were good people and they loved the Lord. They just, uh, they just got so out of hand that Paul had to take time under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write a letter to them and correct some of the things that they had just gone off balance with. Some of those were their, the use of the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul dealt with that in depth about the gifts of the Spirit. The other thing that he dealt with here that's so important is communion. And he said to those people at Corinth, your observance of the Lord's Supper has become so commonplace until you're carrying it to excess. He said, you guys come together to receive the Lord's Supper and everybody brings food and you, instead of observing the Lord's Supper, you've turned it into a party. You just eat to excess, and then you drink to excess, and you just, it, it, and, and the reason Paul deals with this is because he says, your attitude towards the communion has become so haphazard and so commonplace that you're missing the blessing that God has for you through the Lord's Supper. And so he's correcting that. Four things I want to point out in this message about the Lord's Supper and uh, then we will receive it together. Number one, the Lord's Supper is rooted in history. And Paul brings that out as he talks to the Corinthian church. Now, I didn't read all of the verses about it. Uh, I'll encourage you to do that when you get home or some other time this week at your own leisure. Read what Paul said uh, about communion in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But Paul said it's, it's about something very significant. It's about a certain man, the Lord Jesus. It was about a certain night on the night he was betrayed. It was about a certain event uh, that took place. When he took the bread and the cup, he instituted the Lord's Supper, reminding them of his broken body and of his shed blood. First of all, in the history of it, uh, he, he reminds them that that actually they were observing Passover when Jesus gave them the ordinance of communion as we know it today. And Passover goes way back in the Old Testament, all the way to the book of Exodus, where the children of Israel were being delivered out of the Egyptian bondage. You will remember that they were slaves in Egypt, and they were ill-treated, and they cried out to the Lord, the whole nation of Israel, 
somewhere between two and a half and three million of them. And God sent a deliverer by the name of Moses. And Moses came and he went to Pharaoh and he said, God wants you to let his people go. God had already promised the children of Israel that there was a land, that they called it the promised land, Canaan, that he was going to give them. That was their inheritance. And God had already signed, sealed, and delivered that through his covenant with Abraham many years before that. And he, he affirmed it through Isaac and Jacob. And, and now he's coming through Moses. And, and he says, let my people go. We want to go worship the Lord after the dictates of our own heart. Let me tell you something this morning, church. Don't ever take for granted the privilege and opportunity that we have to come in here and worship the Lord like we please. Amen. Don't ever take that for granted. There are many, many, many places in this world where Christians, your brothers and my brothers and sisters in the Lord cannot worship the Lord like you and I do here this morning. In fact, I have a friend who visited in, in one of the uh, communist countries and, and uh, there was a great crowd of people that were gathered, but they, they packed the little house completely out with uh, where they were gathered together. But they had to pray and sing and preach and talk in whispers because if they were heard outside, they would call the state police and they'd all be locked up in jail and uh, badly beaten. So you and I this morning, we have a wonderful opportunity and privilege to worship the Lord. And Moses said, God wants that for his people, the children of Israel. Pharaoh said, no, sirree, I'm not going to let my slave force go anywhere. You might not come back. And so you know the story if you've read it. I won't take a long time to deal with it. But God started pouring out plagues in Egypt. And the first thing he did, uh, Moses lifted his rod. Pharaoh said, I'm in charge here. And he said, well, we'll see. And he lifted his rod and God turned all the water throughout all Egypt, the Nile River and all the other rivers and tributaries turned it to blood. And uh, Pharaoh realized that somebody had more power than he did. But he still refused to let the children of Israel go. So there was a second plague, a third plague, a fourth plague, all the way down to number 10. And each time Pharaoh's heart would harden against God and against his people. But God told Moses, he said, I'm going to send one more plague to Egypt. And when this plague hits, Pharaoh and all of the Egyptians are not only going to let you go, they're going to push you out. And uh, you're going to go out, they're going to give you everything you ask for, so ask for a lot. In fact, God paid them 400 years worth of wages in one night. How many of you know God can take care of things in a hurry? Amen. Yes, he can. Don't you worry how you've been mistreated, taken advantage of, and so forth. You just turn that over to God. He'll take care of it. God, God, can, God can catch you up in a moment. And that's what he did to children of Israel. He caught them up in one night. They left out of their wealthy people. Boy, they spoiled the Egyptians. Because that night, and here's what God told Moses. He said, I'm going to send my death angel tonight. And the death angel is going to go throughout all of the land of Egypt. And every household, from Pharaoh all the way down, every household that does not have the blood on the lintel of the doorpost and over the top of the doorpost, I'm going to take the firstborn in that family. And so Moses told the children of Israel, prepare the Paschal lamb. 
And they did it according to the word of the Lord. They prepared the lamb. That lamb represented Jesus. And they took the lamb and they slew it as they were told. And they took the blood and put it on either side of the doorpost and across the top of the doorpost, literally made a cross as they put it over their, uh, their houses. And that night, the death angel came to the land of Egypt. And in every family from Pharaoh right on down, there was weeping and wailing and grieving because the firstborn in every house was taken. They died with the exception of between two and a half and three million Israelites over in the land of Goshen where they had the blood over the lintel of the doorpost and on either side. And the death angel passed over. That's where we get the word Passover. The death angel passed over every house that had the blood. Aren't you glad for the Passover? Amen. And they were, they were celebrating that in the upper room. Jesus was celebrating that with his disciples when he instituted the Lord's Supper as we know it today. And it became the communion that we celebrate under the new covenant. We have a new covenant. We have a better covenant. How many of you are glad this morning you didn't have to drag a lamb down here to church for your sins to be forgiven? I'm really glad because I would have had to slain the thing for you. I'm really glad we didn't have to do that. We've got a better covenant. Jesus Christ became our lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, he paid the price for our sins. And we look to him by faith today and we're forgiven. Praise God. Amen. Well, not only is the Lord's Supper rooted in history, but the Lord's Supper is all about God's gift. It's all about God's gift. Remember Jesus said when he took the bread, this is my body that is broken for you. He gave his life as a ransom for us. He did not hide his face from those that tore out the beard, those that spat upon him and hit him with their fist, put a crown of thorns on his head. He did not re resist even the beating that he took in Pilate's judgment hall for the healing of our bodies. He said he's identifying himself with that Paschal lamb as the one, praise God, John the Baptist, when he was looking forward, he said, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. By the way, the Paschal lamb of the old covenant could only cover your sins for a period of time. The blood of Jesus washes away your sins forever forever anybody glad about that forever forever secondly <clears throat> when i say the 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 lord's supper is a gift jesus said do this in remembrance of me now, now i want your attention here because i want us to be careful i, I know i'm splitting hairs here and and we're dealing with semantics but I know, that, I know that when we come to the table or when we receive the elements, we're, we're thinking about his death. We're thinking about the sufferings. But Jesus said, do this in memory of me, not just in memory of my death, not just in memory of my crucifixion, not just in memory of my love for you or my redemption, in remembrance of me. 
you and I this morning, we, 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 we're going to have this service together, and we're stopping to focus about Jesus. It's all about Him. Do you know Him? Do you know Jesus this morning as your Savior? Because He said we're doing this in memory of Him. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He, wa he wants to be everything to you. Praise God. So we do this in remembrance of him. Then <clears throat> the third thing is that we celebrate the Lord's Supper, communion, the new covenant um, as, a, as, a, as a new covenant. As I said a while ago, thank God for the new covenant. When Jesus took the cup, he said, this cup is the new covenant sealed with my blood. We don't have to go back under the old covenant. In fact, the book of Hebrews was written to a lot of Jewish people who came out of Judaism and became Christians, and some of them because of pressure from their families, pressure from the business world, pressure from their friends and their neighbors, they went back under Judaism. I don't want to go back under the old covenant. Don't want to go back under the old covenant. We have a new covenant. And in fact, if you read the book of Hebrews, I love the book of Hebrews, one of my favorite in the New Testament, because every chapter in the book of Hebrews, if you look for it, in every chapter, he tells you something about the new covenant that is better than the old covenant. He's trying to convince him. There's nothing to go back to, folks. Go forward. This new covenant's better than the old covenant. He said in one chapter, it's better than Moses. Praise God. Moses was great, but Jesus is greater. Amen. It's better than the angels. Angels are great, but Jesus is greater. Amen. The old covenant was good, but the new covenant's better. Amen. The blood of the old Paschal Lamb was, was important, but the blood of Jesus is more important. It does greater things. Every chapter in the book of Hebrews. This new covenant's better than the old covenant. We're celebrating a covenant. And then fourth and finally, the Lord's Supper is a proclamation. We miss this part. And here's why we miss it. We, we, we partake of the elements and we dismiss the service and we shut it off in our mind and we go on to whatever we're doing. If we're thinking about lunch, we have lunch. Or if we're visiting with family, we visit. And we just forget about it until the next time we have communion. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. When you partake of this, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's a proclamation. It is a witness. It is a testimony. This morning, when you leave, I want you to remember that you took communion today. And the reason I want you to remember it is because I want it to remind you to share with somebody today, to share with somebody this week. There's somebody that you're going to encounter that needs Jesus, and you've got the message. Capsulized in this this one little service of communion is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
when you hold those elements in your hand, you're holding the gospel. That's it, folks. Jesus came and died, and his blood was shed. And because of that, we have redemption, remission of our sins, eternal life, and our name is written on the Lamb's book of life. Share that with somebody. Share that with somebody. Share with somebody what, what you experienced when you received communion today. Tell somebody that Jesus bled from his hands, purchasing forgiveness for all that your hands had done. Tell somebody that he bled from his feet, purchasing forgiveness for every place that you've gone that you shouldn't have gone. Remind them that he bled from his head. Remember that crown of thorns? There was a curse in the garden. The first curse that was placed on man had to do with your labor. Did you know that? Had to do with your labor. God said to Adam, because you sinned, because you disobeyed God, your labor's cursed. By the sweat of your brow, you'll make your living. Some of you are struggling on your job. Did you know this morning when you partake of communion, if you'll do it by faith, and believe that you've been redeemed from the curse of the law through the sacrifice of Jesus, that you can claim the blessing of God on your labor and overthrow that curse off of your life. Amen. I've had people come to the table who needed a job who had not been able to find one. And they said, Lord, I receive this by faith today that it redeems me from every curse of the law and I'm believing for a job. And I've had them get a job before the week's over. Praise God. Amen. Promotion. You may need promotion on your job. You may be struggling with somebody on your job. Remember, we're fighting principalities and powers of darkness out there and wickedness in high places. And some of those high places may be where you're working. It could be your boss that you're struggling with. If you don't ask God to move you, ask God to help you. Glory to God. Proclaim what's needed to the very place where you work. And God's able to sanctify that place. Amen. He bled from his face, purchasing forgiveness for everything you've said that you shouldn't have said. From his back, preserve, purchasing healing for your body. From his side, purchasing forgiveness from all the transgressions that you've committed. And finally, he was bruised. That's bleeding underneath the skin. He was bruised for our iniquity. Every time that we have stepped out of line with God's word, he forgives us for that through the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to stand with me. We're going to prepare to come to the table. In fact, I'm going to step down while you're standing. Pastor Steve's coming to sing while we pass out the elements this morning. But I want to share this with you before we come to the table. I want the ushers to be prepared and come on up, if you will. Just stand with me until... Uh, we give you the elements to pass out. <clears throat> Many years ago, Martin Luther, you, you might remember those of you who know church history, Martin Luther was the great reformer. He's credited for the Protestant Reformation. He's the one that nailed a thesis to the door of the church and said, the scripture says that the just shall live by faith. And he brought us the message of justification by faith, caused a whole reformation that transformed and changed the whole Christian world. But in his own writings of his own life, Martin Luther said there was a time when he was sick. 
and he was burning up with a fever and some people say well that this was just because of his fever that he had this uh, delusion or whatever it was but he didn't call it a delusion he said while he was sick <clears throat> that the devil walked into his room and he said the devil had a big scroll under his arm and the devil took that scroll and just rolled it out across his room and he said it went all the way from one side of the room to the other side and he said the devil started reading and what was on that scroll was all the sins that Martin Luther had ever committed and he just started naming them one after the other after the other and when he got done reading that long list of sins that Martin Luther had committed the devil said what do you think about that Martin Luther and Martin Luther said you forgot one thing and the devil said what's that he said you forgot first John 1 7 and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin hallelujah he cleanses me from all sin ushers would you come please if by faith today you will receive the elements and believe God he will perform for you he will do for you what he said he would do amen praise God